Hey, this is Ira Wolf. I am a chief Googleization officer. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. I'm glad to have you here with us once again, and I've got a wonderful guest with me today, and his name is Ira Wolf, and he is a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body. And one of the top 100 HR influencers for 2021, he's the president of Poised for the Future Company, founder of Success Performance uh, Solutions. He's a TEDx speaker, top five global thought leader on future of work and HR thinkers 360, and the host of Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization podcast. And his most recent book is Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, and now it's in its second edition. Ira, a big welcome to you. Hello, Dennis. It's great to be here. It's nice to meet you and appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you. Whereabouts are you in the world today? I am in the U.S., uh, Pennsylvania, to be exact, uh, eastern Pennsylvania. We're about an hour or so west of uh, New York City for a landmark. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. So it's good to have you. I mean, I love interviewing guests like you who are talented, have a lot of experience, and also somewhere around the world, and they come along, and, and it's pretty cool. So really good to have you here. Now, I've given our listeners a brief introduction to you. Tell me, is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? Oh, well, it's, it's been quite a journey as an older baby boomer. Uh, fortunately, my mind still, as you said, is the, is the millennial trapped inside this older body. But I started out uh, my career as a, actually as a dentist. So that always surprises people in transforming. And, and as uh, anybody who catches my TED Talk will, will learn that I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry. But I, I loved what we're going to talk about today about leadership. I loved helping people, love leading people, like not, not managing in a bad in, in a good or a bad way but I like the teamwork the collaboration building the business entrepreneurship that drove me but basically doing the technical aspect of the work got old and uh, so I, I actually left that 25 years ago and started this business which has been focusing on helping other businesses grow wow that's awesome and you know when we talk about the dentist side of things would have been amazing to see that uh, whole whole actual journey there. But you know, when we talk about a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body, I think some people sort of fall into a trap as well, where there's that they feel like it's an age thing around millennial side of things or uh, Gen X and, and baby boomers and so forth. Do you think, and I think this is why you're saying this, is that we can be like a millennial, even though we may not be at that age? Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Oh, absolutely. Going back in time, all the way back to Hippocrates and Hercules in, in 300, 400 BC, they were always, everybody was complaining about the next generation. They didn't have the same work ethic. They didn't work as hard. They didn't read. They didn't write. They didn't do all those things. And that seems to be a tradition that is tough to break. So we often look at generations and, and do a lot of stereotyping based on a chronological age. But I'm an older boomer and I've had six decades under me, but I'm right Right now, I'm rather than retiring, and, and a lot of my friends and colleagues uh, look at when. When do you think I'm going to retire? I've got three projects on my plate right now, which are in startup mode, and and having I'm having a blast. And and I look at a lot of my peers who have you know basically you know, slowed down. Some of them had to do it, but they allow their minds to slow down. Uh, my mother's going to be, ni- is actually 98. And although she's starting to, to struggle somewhat, she still lives alone. And uh, although she's having trouble with her eyes, I mean, she, you can have, you can have a vibrant conversation, including current events with her. And she would challenge, you know, people that are many years younger than her and being alive. And so that's my goal. I'm going to basically try to, to live life to its fullest until I can't. Yeah, that's that's amazing. 98, wow. And for you as well, as you're saying, doing these projects and, and keeping going, I think that's where the terminology probably comes along, what we used in the past, young at heart, right? And somebody's still wanting to do things as well. My dad is turning 80 and he is still working up at 5 a.m. in the morning, still going to work to the factory and things like that. And it's just amazing to see him, how that's still keeping him active uh, as well. So I think for our listeners, I think it's, you know, retirement's an age thing, but I actually think it's more about what is somebody wanting to do in life and what purpose they might have and what kind of energy they can still bring. And I think that's really important for people to understand that. No, you're absolutely correct. And so, again, I, I guess the word of advice to people is don't stereotype people, don't assume there are baby boomers. You know, I know the baby boomers are, you know, always on Gen, have basically pointed the finger at Gen X that 20 years ago. And now and then it was millennials. Then it was, you know, Gen Z. People continually kind of bash the, the following generation. And yet I really enjoy hanging out with a lot of millennials and now Gen Z. I love learning from them. I love their, their energy, their ambition, their hope, their, you know, how they see the future. There's a lot of baby boomers. I'm embarrassed by what their attitude is. And although they talk about being lazy, narcissistic, egotistical, uh, dependent on on other people's aid, you know, that's where they talk about millennials and, and Gen Z. I know a lot of baby boomers that feel very, very entitled that the rest of the world should serve them at this point. And uh, that's not my attitude for sure, if, if you haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, tell me, how did you get into leadership? Oh, I can go back to uh, high school a long time ago. I mean, I was president of our student council, involved in the class. It seemed like from a young age, if there was something that needed to be done, it seemed that I always ended up in the position, not to be in charge of other people, but maybe to be in charge of the project or to lead the project, or I just took the initiative. I'm not sure I studied it. I'm not sure I thought about how did I get there. But if I look back at going back to even a a young age, it, it always seemed that I was the person that took responsibility to put an event together or to do something. And by default, sometimes other people just don't step up to the plate and and you become that. And also, also I'm an achiever. 
you know, for good or bad. <laughs> um, I have a high drive, so I guess I'm, I'm a bit of the time. I've learned how to not be all type A, but when you're driven, if other people don't want to step up to the plate, you just you assume that position. And I've always been in that role through community, through family. If it was a family event, I seem to be in charge of it. I've backed off a lot because I've allowed, I've learned uh, as a good leader. Sometimes it's easy for other just to, to people default to you, to you, because they know you'll get it done. And yet that meant I sometimes took on too much or, or gave up something that I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, you learn, it, it took me a while to, to get there. So sometimes it's like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Go do it. I'll support you, but go do it. I'm not taking charge. Yeah, cool. And I, and I like what you say about the, the, the area where some others don't step up, then you assume the, the, the role of the leader. And I think it's also, I think it's two things. That, what you just said. And number two would be, don't sit there and complain. If you don't like it, then step up as a leader and then do something about it. And I think that's really important for, for our listeners to, to take into, into consideration. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of time like you over the last two years. I mean, your business transformed. You started this podcast and congratulations on that. But people are really struggling. I mean, people, it's not that people don't want to to lead. It doesn't mean that they don't want to take charge of their life. There's many people feel that they're at the mercy of change. For the last two years, I've really kind of dove deep into how can we help people change and not necessarily become leaders. But in doing so, obviously, we're t- I'm, taking, I'm trying to take a leadership role in that. But even leaders are struggling to make that shift into what I've been calling the never normal. You know, we've had all different terms, the new normal, the next normal, the future next, the, the next future. But the one that seems to stick with everybody and resonates is, is we're going to live in a world of never normal. And that's certainly going to impact what leadership looks like. But the one skill, the one ability that we seem to be struggling with is how can people adapt? And part of it is skill. I mean, people are going to have to take some responsibilities to upskill and, and reskill and, and, you know, build more resilience and grit and, and mind, growth mindset. But ultimately, leaders are going to have to take to really, really look at their organization. And I think we'll, you know, we'll get to this. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but really focus on cultures, really focus on there's a lot of lip service talking about a people first or a people forward organization to make that happen really is going to be a challenge because our organizations have been bureaucratic, hierarchical. Uh, we still have a lot of work to go with diversity and inclusion and equity, and and people are struggling with recruitment and retention and, and even leadership uh, development. So there's so much on the plate. There's so many different priorities. The pandemic pulled the curtain back and exposed, you know, no matter how good anybody was, it, it said, you weren't that good. <laughs> you weren't ready for what was going to happen going forward. So I think the role of leader Leaderships uh, is going to really be helping helping people adapt to all the changes that are happening. Yeah, so right. I mean, wow, that's, I'm loving what you're saying because COVID did expose a lot of people and expose a lot of businesses as well. And I think, you know, so my my actual company that I actually own is called Leading Change Partners. And we get in with organizations and partner with them to lead change. In other words, uh, lead change with them amongst themselves as leaders and the employees as an organization, but also lead change in business and in the industry and market. One thing for you to go through change and experience that. Another thing is to go actually lead it as well. And it's a different thing. And I think you're so right what you're saying. COVID has exposed people and some people have had to go now and, and, and change and, and upskill themselves into other things or pivot, adapt, whatever you want to call it. And they've had to go and do it. And it's been amazing to see the different stories coming through IRA 
era and those who have gone off and exploded and gone and done something different in life. And I just think that's just wonderful. Sometimes something like a pandemic or a global financial crisis or anything like that can be the catalyst for us to see change and see things, people moving forward. Yeah. You know, every day I, I'm in a conversation with somebody who can't wait to, you know, it's either either the question to me or their their context is that we're, you know, can't, when do you think we're going to get back to normal? <laughs> and one is we're not. And, and normal also just it's an interesting conversation. And I hadn't thought about it until the pandemic and people started talking about normal. What was normal for you, you know, you're, you're in New Zealand, I'm in Pennsylvania. We came from different backgrounds. What our experiences in life, that was our normal, but it wasn't universal. I know best what it was like to live in the U.S. I mean, normal in the United States pre-1960, there was only one third of working age women were, were working and sometimes they weren't allowed to work. You know, women didn't go to college. Women weren't allowed to open a bank account without their husband's permission. We can get into race. I mean, if you were a person of color up through the 1960s, you weren't allowed to go to the same restaurants, the same schools, the same hotels. But that was normal. That was normal for our grandparents. That was more. My question is, is that the normal you want to go back to? And there are some distorted people <laughs> that may want to go back to that. But as a whole, that's not what people want, regardless of your race or age or gender or ethnicity. Nobody really wants to go back to that. But that's what we consume or think of normal. But the other part of normal is that I just heard this great definition the other day. And normal is a state of mind where you don't want to see anything change. Yeah, perfect. And that's just not going to happen anymore. But not only is are things going to change, they're going to accelerate. And you're, you might be familiar, some of your listeners might be familiar with Ray Kurzweil or Singularity University. Kurzweil is the, I think, chief engineer officer at Google, or at least he was. Um, but he talks about the accelerating rate of change, and he has the 10-year rule. And the 10-year rule is similar to Moore's law, which was the, you know, the computer chip rule, that every 18 months, the, the rate of processing speed would double. Well, the law of acceleration from Kurzweil was that every 10 years, the pace of change would double, which also, which means that in 2022 that we're in now, if you roll the clock forward into 2042, then everything that occurred in the year of 2020, all the way from in the U.S., an election, a pandemic, wildfires, climate change, and in many other countries, social unrest, uh, many of those were, were global, that what occurred in 12 months will occur in three months, which is terrifying if you think about it, all those events. And then in, in another 20 years after that, so 40 years from now, all the change that we're experiencing is going to occur like 11 days. And that's not exact science, but it, it hopefully gets the point across what living on an exponential curve feels like. We're not ready for that. We're not accustomed to that. We, we want to go back that there's some predictability, some routine. We want to slow it down. We're not going to be able to slow down the change, no matter what it is at this point, but we can certainly become better at responding responding and managing the change, managing our response to change. That's, to me, the role of what leadership is going to be going forward. The people that we're going to remember in 20 or 30 years from now, and maybe as an older baby boomer, I won't be around to, to remember that. But what other people I think are going to be citing as, as the great leaders of today are going to be the people who helped humanity get through this and not through handouts, but teaching them how to respond better to an accelerating rate of change. 
Yep. Very good. I totally agree. I think that's there's some wonderful stuff that you're sharing there. Now, Ira, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person can be a libel from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? I'm going to hedge on that one. I've got many. And, and I think I used to have a pat answer and then they were all taken out of context. My favorite leaders are many. I mean, you know, I've got favorite coaches, you know, sports coaches. I've got, you know, one of the, the my, one of my favorites who I follow, I still like his philosophy, is Warren Bennis, B-E-N-N-I-S. More consultant than, you know, a CEO or a coach or an individual. We were just talking before, like your dad, you know, someone who 80 years old continues to set an example, do his own thing, you know, has a quality of life. My mother, we got relatives, we know people. My favorite leaders isn't necessarily an individual person. It's a person who who's led a, a moral life, an ethical life, has helped community, has humility. It's, it's not necessarily a person that we can recognize by name. You know, it's going back to the good to great book. You know, many of the people in there, the best people, the best leaders weren't people we ever heard about. They weren't the people on the front lines. So my favorite leader isn't necessarily an individual person. It's just a, a person who has not even necessarily come up from the ashes, but someone who has really led other people, helped other people. You know, one of the, the terms we talk about today is co-elevating people, but uh, had a humility about them, led a good life. And at the end of the day, it's they were measured not how many dollars they had in their bank account or what their compensation was, but by how many people that they helped and touched. Mm-hmm. I think it's about the influence they've had on others and having values and being strong and dependable and and consistent. And I love what you say there too, because, you know, it's so right. Uh, there are so many people out there. You don't have to be famous. There are people who are out there having influence on others for sure. Ira, the show here is called Leadership is Changing, as you know. And when I say that title, that statement, what does that mean for you? Well, I think it just goes back to what I what I shared earlier. Leadership, at least going forward, is about change. It, it's helping people, whether it's it's more than changing their business model. It's more than building an organization that is going to you know respond, you know, identify what their future customers are. Uh, more, it's more than just business. Uh, leadership is changing, in hopefully in a good way. That it is going to be more people focused. Whether it's people, as I said, there's a lot. Of terms out there, people forward, people first, but it's going to be people focused and and hopefully leadership. It's going to really finally be more about compassion and empathy and co-working. And you may have the title of leader, but you still, everybody, at least all, well, many people put their, their pants on one leg at a time, um, you know, and, and what other terms you want to use. But I, I, leadership hopefully is going to be about helping people adapt to a future. And give them the, help them help create an environment and provide the skills that will help people have an opportunity to grow and to thrive. It doesn't mean everybody's going to take it, but at least you have a, you're an equal opportunity provider in giving people the, an equal opportunity to grow if they choose and give them, and, and give them the support and tools that they need. Okay, good. Now, you and I have been talking about leadership in general, but let's talk about the individual as a leader. So in other words, a person or the people, the individuals themselves. What do you reckon? Because, you know, we're living in a world, as we've been talking about, fast-paced, ever-changing, both social, uh, technology, business. It's just, it's really going fast. And as you said, Kurtz Ward, you know, the the change for 10-year rule, but, you know, it's getting faster and faster all the time. In that fast-paced, ever-changing world, what do you think as an individual leader what do they need to do to make them, themselves successful today? 
I think there's two parts to that, and it's an interesting question. And I'm going to follow some of the research that's coming out, and they call it the ACE model, A-C-E. And it talks about individual abilities that people are going to need. It talks about their character, which is really personality, and, and that's almost, you know, we're not going to focus on that, but the environment. But the, one of the dimensions within the environment section, creating a culture, is company support. Does, there's two aspects of it. One is company support, and one's emotional and health. Does the is from a leader aspect is creating an organization that the people that work for you feel that you have their back. And it doesn't have to be necessary business. It could be a government leader. It could be a nonprofit leader. It could be a teacher. Do the people who you teach, mentor, coach, lead, manage, do they feel that you have their back? And and in order to create that, is there's got to be a level of emotional health, uh, psychological safety that, that people can challenge you. They can have a conversation with you. They can su- suggest an idea. They can criticize you and not feel that there's going to be retrib- retribution. You know, to me, in what a leader is going to have to have is the ability to create such an environment around them. And at the same time, at the same time as an individual, we've identified that people are going to have to be more resilient, more agile, more open-minded. And also something that's come up in just the recent years is unlearning. The ability to let go of some things in the past that may have helped you get to where you are, but they're no longer going to be effective. Um, so the ability to not only learn new ways and be open-minded, but to also recognize when it's time to say enough is enough. This just isn't working anymore. We need to move on. So it's both personal abilities and the ability to create a, a culture that allows other people to, to, to change. Excellent. Unlearning, the ability to let go. Awesome. I love that. Now, we've been talking, so we talked about leadership in, in general. We talked about now just about the individual leader itself. If we change gears or change lenses now and start talking about from an employee's perspective, How do you think employees' expectations of leaders have changed? Well, at least it's pretty easy to answer that in the reaction, at least in the United States. It's called the Great Resignation. Mm. In four months, in the four previous months, 21 million people quit their jobs. They left. And some of them left without another job. But many people left because they weren't treated well. They're in a toxic environment. They weren't being re- they weren't being paid well. They weren't respected for the time that they needed off. And I'm not just talking vacation time. I'm talking that people were juggling their kids, you know, the effect, impact and the effects of COVID. People were still struggling with that. They lost loved ones. They lost friends. And yet there were companies that are, hey, it's time to come back to work. We need to get over this. Part of the, the expectation, how they have expectations changed, workers have just risen up and said, uh, we're not going to take it anymore. And so there's there's a lot of change that needs to happen, but employees' expectations are, are definitely laid out on the table and they're showing their cards. Yep. I think they're voting with their feet and they definitely are showing their cards for sure. I mean, they are voicing their opinions and their thoughts. And you're, you're so right what you're saying. They haven't been, for a lot of them, they haven't been treated well, or they can see that life, I think COVID has also been a catalyst for them too in the pandemic in the sense of, hey, life is short. As you said, people that they know, family members and that have passed away, I'm going to go and do something that I really want to go and do. And they're, they're working on moving on to other things. So Ira, we've been talking about all sorts of things here and you've been sharing some really wonderful th- things and thoughts. Here's one question for you. It's the final question, which is, if I had to get you to get your thoughts thinking around the future, and if I was to get your thoughts around that, where would you see leadership being in five years? I'm going to give you my version of 
where I hope it will be in five years. And yep. I see some movement in that direction. So where it will be in five years may be different than what we hope it will be. But again, I'm going to go back to, as we talked about, a people first organization. I, I believe there's going to be a ton of technology. A lot of the work that used to be done is going to be automated. We're going to be collaborating with machines better. And leadership is going to have to be much more helpful at doing that. It's not either or. It's not, if you don't want to come to work and work for us for low pay, then we're just going to automate it. It's going to be a combination. So I believe the leaders of the future, they're going to have to be much more empathetic. They're going to have to be much more compassionate, much more caring. They're going to have to be more of a mentor and a coach to their people. Because, again, change is not just inevitable. Accelerating change is inevitable. We're going to live in this perpetual uncertainty, or as I call it, this never normal. So there's a real chance, an opportunity for leaders to rise up. You know, as we talk about in HR, we're going to have to put the H back in HR. Yep, put the human back into the into the equation. Yeah, nice. I like it. All right. Hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, you can easily go to Google. You know, one of my nicknames also, or my my subtitles is the Googleization guy. That was my book, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. So you can literally just search for my name. But my my company website is successperformancesolutions.com. That's a long one. I also have a podcast, Geeks geezers googleization.com and i'm extremely active on linkedin on any given day interacting with other people posting articles i've seen i've written interviews i've done and i'm sure when we have this podcast that'll be shared on linkedin as well so i would say the, the best places you can just google me go to my website success performance solutions the podcast geeks geezers googleization.com or or linkedin awesome all right hey once again thank you so much for being on the show today It's a pleasure. Thanks, and uh, please stay safe. Thank you. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, come along and join those communities, those platforms. As Ira has said today, uh, so many great things in there, but we need to have people-first organizations, and we need to think about as leaders to step up and rise up and take the lead, because change is not going to be normal, and change is the thing that is constant. Anyhow, we know what we need to do as leaders. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 